Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Who's on the hot seat if the Lightning don't win the Stanley Cup? And what are some of the best comeback stories from injuries that we've covered? Why can't the Rays ever develop just an average Major League catcher? We've got all those mailbag questions, and we'll talk about the Rays' sweep of the Yankees to take over first place in the American League East on this edition of Sports Day Tampa Bay. I'm Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times, along with producer Steve Versnick. And, Steve, if I'd have told you, oh, I don't know, maybe a week or two ago that the Rays were going to be in first place in the American League East and win, what, uh, it amounts to five, six out of seven games over the Yankees and win that series, have that series already wrapped up, Man, what a turnaround for Kevin Cash's team. Are you talking about the time you were jumping off the bandwagon? No, oh, he bo- broke both ankles. I broke both ankles. I'm, I'm happy to tell you I've been in a, in a wheelchair uh, with the Rays here for a while. Um, I had them winning the World Series. This, this goes to tell you, never, you know, always go with your first instinct. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I bailed quickly because they were all, I mean, the team batting average was what, like 205 when they started this road trip? Yes. Yeah, something like that. And what's been impressive about this road trip is it's the bats that are leading them. Yes, yes. The pitching has been suspect at times. I mean, they've got yeah. they've gotten some good pitchings and stretches and parts, but mm-hmm. overall they've been giving up. A, and granted, you're facing the Red Sox and Yankees who have bigger bats and and, and, mm-hmm. and Blue Jays too, who are a really good hitting team too. I mean, these teams can can mash the ball. So you're not playing little sisters of the poor as far as offensive teams go. Uh, but but it's the Rays' offense that's been impressive in this in this road trip. Uh, Brendan Lowell's as hot as anyone right now. Uh, even Zanino's had a few home runs uh, right. in, in this series. I mean, you know, just it, it, it's it, they've been putting hits back to back to back. Um, they even had a base running mistake in in, in Wednesday or Thursday afternoon's game. Um, was it? Uh, I forget who hit the the line draw or the hit it out to Brett Gardner, who caught up to it. And Yandy Diaz and Brendan Lauer both are stuck between their bases and couldn't advance. Mm-hmm. Now right. ended up knocking him in, and everything worked out. But mm-hmm. you know they're even overcoming those kind of mental mistakes where you know there's no reason for Yandy Diaz to be halfway between second and third at that point. He needs to be on second base ready to tag up because that ball drops, you can get home even leaving from second base at that point. So, yeah. uh, But they're overcoming that, and the offense has been putting hits back-to-back-to-back, which they weren't doing early in the season, and, and thus they're putting runs up on the board. They had 13 up and 13 down in this game on Thursday night or Thursday afternoon, I think, and then all of a sudden uh, they went 6 for 10 mm-hmm. with like four extra base hits, two walks. and Well, it started you know, as Paxton got a little wild, and he, he walked, did. what, three batters in that, what was it, the fifth inning? That's correct. Yeah, um, and they ended up you know, with three runs off of him. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, his control got away from him. But yeah. before that, I mean, you were looking at a no-no. I mean, the way he, he had no-hit stuff. They've done this a couple times where they not touched somebody for a while, and then all of a sudden they, they've been the, the sort of the authors of the big inning lately. I mean, they had a five-run sixth, mm-hmm. you know, uh, after they uh, fell behind again for the second time in this game on Thursday afternoon. Um, Joey Wendell, you know, it's somebody different every day. He, he had a couple of hits with a single and a double, three runs batted in. And then Zanino, the Z-man, 
still batting under, I think he was right around 100, to be honest with you. Yeah, I think um, he's, but he's right a, around 100 at this point. Yeah, but he's had a couple home runs at Yankee Stadium, which, you know, hey, <laughs> when your eight and nine hitters can start carrying you in this lineup, that's a really good thing. Of course, Yandy Diaz mm-hmm. got really hot on this road trip, and it seems like everything he, he puts in play is, is going to get in there. Um, it, it has. It's been remarkable. And then, you know, I think, Jalen Beeks has come alive. I mean, that guy all of a sudden is is striking out batters at a at an unbelievable rate. He came in the other day, um, you know, with the bases uh, almost juiced and and struck out two batters in, in a game with the time run at the plate. So um, they're getting it from different guys. I'm still a little. They're, to me, their pitching is still a little suspect, but their offense is carrying it right now, which is not the Rays' way, and their defense has been really good too. And for the record, Zanino now at 118 as a batting average. He's above wow. the hundred mark. Well, I think that 18 might have been on that blast that he had on Thursday because he stepped up there right around 100. But, um, you know, and Mike Brasso, I mean, they, the, the clutch inning they've gotten from him, of course, he just wears out left-handers. They put him in some really good positions, and, and he's come through. Well, and think about it's this, in, too. And, and granted, this is a different year and everything. The Rays, with today's win, have already won the season series against the Yankees. That's correct. They won three games at Yankee Stadium. Last year they went 2-8. and eight. Uh, it's a place they don't win very often. Now, granted, like it's, everything's a little different, and, and, and I get that. So you don't have you know the fans screaming at you in the outfield. Well, and, and I was going to say, but. I mean, that has to be some of somewhat of a factor, right? I mean, the home field advantage is probably well, it was enormous even without the mm-hmm. fans. Though they came into this series, the Yankees had won all ten games at home. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they had won what twenty seven straight series at home, I believe. Yeah, until this series. Um, but, but you know, look the Ra- the Rays the Rays for the last two seasons and now into this season have been not only they they have a good team and, and all the pieces and we know how versatile and the way they put people in those positions and they tend to succeed more often than they don't but there's also a confidence gaining in this team mm-hmm. starting with the ninety wins in two thousand eighteen mm-hmm. then you improve that last year to ninety seven you make the playoffs you win the wild card game you take Houston to five games. You know, it's a. There's also a confidence in, in the organization, the players, and, and oh yeah. So now, when you go to Boston or Yankee Stadium, there's not that intimidation factor anymore. I mean, you've been to Houston in the playoffs. You were at Oakland at the wild card game. You and you've won those games. Right. You didn't win any of the games, games in Houston, but yeah. But you did take two in that series. But you know, there's there's also that the team is growing. I mean, and, and the core of this team is still extremely young, and so you know, a lot of this is confidence too. And now they can go into Yankee Stadium. They know they can win there. They have no, that I'm confidence. I'm telling you, it's all confidence in baseball. And, and, you know, they've had some guys that were hot that carried them, like Brandon Lau. Um, you know, Meadows is up and down, more down than up of late. Um, but they got enough guys that, you know, uh, whether it's a lefty on the mound, they can go all right-handed and they're struggling against lefties. Um, but they're they're just versatile enough. And, you know, you'll have Kiermaier sit out a game and, you know, um, they're still able to produce runs, and, and then he comes in. Uh, you know, these guys come off the bench. I mean, they, they're all selfless in their roles, too. It's really a team uh, effort, and that's the thing about the Rays. It's always the sum of their parts, right? You might have better names and, and statistics one through nine, but they're going to beat you with the 40-man or the 25-man or whatever, and that's what they've done. I got some concerns about their pitching. I still think that that mm-hmm. needs to be settled. They don't have – um, you know, other than Anderson closing and, and um, you know, Beeks is going really well right now. But their their bullpen is still a little shaky. They've had a ton of injuries. Uh, 
on that pitching staff. They still don't know about Charlie Morton. So there's some, there's still some things that are up in the air with this ball club. But um, when you go on the longest road trip of the year uh, and you've already, you know, won the series against the Yankees, that's, that's a heck of a thing to, to, uh, to do. And, and I wonder when the last time this late in the season, and I don't have the answer to this. I'm sure Mark Topkin will in the times that the Rays were in first place in the American League East. I mean, they didn't lead last year at all, I don't believe. No, last year they did because they were they did lead. Cuz remember they got off to that what 13 and 4 start. That's right. I mean, but I mean, have yeah, they no, led I, I like, don't remember you know, given what, the fact that yeah. there was a shutdown and we're already into the middle towards the late part of August now. Yeah, I don't remember I wonder at what point I wonder the, the last time them. they've Yeah, I wonder the last time they've led this late and it could be a simple answer that I'm I'm not looking it could be Yeah, I mean you're close to year, halfway but, through the season at this point. I mean, you're not right. there yet, but you're approaching you're you're in mid-June at this point essentially of a regular season. So Right, and I would just use the calendar and say what when was the last time in August? Oh, in you August, know, yeah, it's what Because uh, they they really didn't even though they're not playing as many games and they are approaching the halfway point of this restart, it's still going to end in October. You know what I'm saying? So mm-hmm. We're pretty late into the summer, even though they haven't played that many games. I don't know. It's just, look, if you know, what can I say? The Lightning are advancing to the second round of the Stanley Cup playoffs. The Rays are in first place in the American League East. Oh, yeah, and the Bucks got Tom Brady and about Who? to be the Super Bowl favorites. Who? That's right. Who? Tom freaking Brady. That's right. Tom Brady. Let me look him up here. Hold on. Number 12. TV 12, baby. <laughs> so maybe we can have nice things. Of course, I was telling my wife today, I go, you know, it would just be like Tampa. To have the Lightning win the Stanley Cup, the Rays in the World Series, and the Bucks in the Super Bowl, and not one fan be able to go see any of them. <laughs> well, we do have a tropical depression heading this way now. <laughs> yeah, well, I'm I'm having one right now, um, <laughs> in my own in my own living room here. Anyway, uh, good good series for the Rays. Good exciting road trip for them. Of course, the Lightning uh, are getting a little bit of rest here and waiting to see who they're going to play in their second round series. Right, yeah, most likely Boston. So the NHL this year is reseeding all the teams. So all the series in the Eastern Conference have to finish before they can they can seed you so to know who you're going to play, let alone put out a schedule. So there's still right. series in the Eastern Conference going on at this point, so you don't know who you're going to play. If the series kind of play out the way it's looking, it looks like it will be Boston, but obviously if other teams come back in their series and win, it changes it. They cannot play the Islanders. That's the one team they cannot play. So, But most likely it will be Boston. Well, and, and they'll take the days off, obviously, for rest and everything else. Um, you don't want too many off, but uh, you can start practicing here in a little bit. But after a series that included two overtime games, I'm, I'm sure they're grateful to wrap that up when they did. And we got a little Bucks news. Uh, running back T.J. Logan, you know, Bruce Arians had him in Arizona. Uh, he had been injured there, uh, but he was really looking forward to him uh, getting in the running back mix as well as, as a return guy, which he did last year. Was having a really great camp. Well, he got hurt um, in eleven on eleven drills. Apparent right leg injury. He was grabbed sort of by the jersey by rookie linebacker Quentin Bell, and it was a non-tackling period. So, yeah, that's not the way you uh, endear yourself to the coaching staff, and and it's not on. It's not that unusual too because these rookies come in and they don't quite understand what pro thump, what non-tackling means. Um, they're trying to get into the frame, obviously, and show that they're doing their job. But um, he got uh, he got rolled up pretty good and was in pain, yelling. And Mike Evans yelled out to the defense, "That better be a cramp." <laughs> well, I fear it's more than that. They don't cart guys off the field usually uh, with a cramp. So tough break for him. We'll we'll try to update you on that. 
tomorrow. You can check out TampaBay.com. But man, uh, I uh, I had a maintenance day. I was not at the Bucks practice. I'm like JPP and Indomitian Sioux, some of those older veterans that get to uh, maybe take a day here and there. So I took mine, but I heard, and then when I went for my COVID test, it was really hot. This was been this was the hottest practice um, that they've had so far. That's why we had those early rains today, man. It was yeah, oof. Those are some serious storms this afternoon. Those were big early ones, afternoon yeah. too. Yeah, so we'll uh, we'll be back out there tomorrow. Update you on Logan and anybody else that's going on. We got to talk to Rob Gronkowski. Uh, says he feels great, happy to be back playing again. TB12 is great. Everything's great. So. Uh, nothing, nothing uh, wrong with that. I think John Romano will be uh, writing a column on on Gronk, and you can read that tembay dot com. Uh, Bruce Arian says he looks as good as as he did four or five years ago. He thinks he's you know the the year off certainly uh, helped him heal up, and uh, you can see the fluidity in his stride and and just his back and everything the way he's moving, um, and he doesn't have that big arm brace. So all of that looks good. And Gronk says he feels good. So yeah, a lot of good stuff there with the Bucks. Okay, we've got. Lots of your uh, mailbag questions. We'll try to get to a few of these now and as we head into the weekend. So let's get started. Well, you answered one of our first ones. Tim asked, overall, how is Gronk moving out there? Has he look, how's he looking for a guy looking to come back? Well, I was trying to, you know, before Arian said this, like I was watching him. Uh, first of all, like the chemistry between him and Brady is is weird, right? It's, it's so good that they were doing some um, red zone drills the other day. I guess it was on Wednesday when I was watching. They were indoors and. I mean, literally, like, when you have an option route, you've you got to kind of figure out where the leverage is, right? And you want to work against the leverage. If the DB's on your inside, you're going to break outside and so on. So um, I, I want to say I want to say it was Devin White was trying to cover Gronk. And Gronk gave him, like, a stutter step to one side. And, like, literally, as before he could even run this <clears throat> sort of this post, um, Brady read it immediately and put the ball, and, and it was just so beautiful. Like the timing, Gronk turns around the end zone. It's at the perfect eye level, um, and Devin White is practically falling down because he's so out of position. Um, and, and I mean, those two guys are just, you know, of course they've done it, you know, they did it for nine years in New England. Um, but even with Gronk being out a year, I mean, they, they just they just have that thing, right? He can read his body, and that's that's what he has to do with Mike Evans and them. But no, Gronk, Gronk looks great. And we asked him, like, you know, how – I asked Bruce Arians, I said, you know, how much are you going to play this guy? Because, I mean, he did take a year off of football. And, you know, and he's had a lot of surgeries. I mean, his list of surgeries are – you get to you get to a dozen really fast. So, um, you know, he, he, he rarely finishes a season. I mean, it's hard for him to play 16 games. He hasn't done it in a while. And the question was, you know, are you going to kind of like with all your tight ends, I mean, you've got Howard and Brait and Anthony Eclair and Tanner Hudson. I mean, you could you could spell this guy. You could kind of, you know, manage his workload. And he goes, nah, baby, we're going to try to win every game. <laughs> He's just like, I just want to win. I'm gonna, what do we got to do to win? In September? We're not going to worry about it in October, November, in September. We're going to try to win in September. So it's like we booze, we lose. We lose, we booze, baby. Uh, he was just he was just saying, you know, uh, no, nah, I ain't. I'm going to play him as much as I need to play him, you know. If if he needs to come out, he will. But And that's kind of the way I thought. I thought, like, Gronk will kind of decide, hey, I need a blow. I mean, they got plenty of good players that can help out at that position. Uh, maybe too many at this point. But um, but I could see him. I mean, like, they're in New Orleans, and, and it's a tight game, and Gronk is playing 55 snaps, and they need him to play 57. He's going to play 57. So 
I kind of think that's where it's going to go. But he looks really good. He does. He, you know, he he he's battling the heat. Um, you know, the 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 sweat is real. He goes, you know, you, your shoes are are wet and you're squishing in them. And he goes, you just got to kind of laugh sometimes. He goes, you know, it's just he remembers when he came down here and worked out against the Bucks a few years, many years ago. Um, and he says, you know, it's just something you have to accept. But um, other than that, uh, yeah, he says he says he feels pretty good. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. All right, Ellis asked, I know it's early, but do you get the feeling that everyone, defense included, has stepped up their focus now that Brady is here? I'm reluctant to buy into training camp hype, but something seems different. Well, I, I think that's what they would hope they had hoped for, and um, yeah, I do think that's happening. Um, it's hard to explain how. First of all, there's not many of these guys that have ever walked the planet. Okay, iconic celebrity type quarterbacks that. You know, a lot of times, you know, coaches, when you get a new coach in, they always talk about, well, we've got to change the culture. And let me tell you, the, the culture is winning. And, and really, to change it, you got to win. But how do you change the culture, right? Well, when Tom Brady walks in, like, he is the culture. Like, he's a living – and this is what Mike Evans called him. He's a living legend. I mean, he – you know, celebrity quarterback, living legend, six Super Bowl rings, nine Super Bowl appearances, the GOAT, 43 years old, you know, incredible shape. How's he still playing at this level? All of that. And, you know, you got to remember the age of these players. I mean, many of them were born or maybe even weren't born until he was drafted by the Patriots back in the year 2000. So a lot of them are the same age as his career. Tristan Wirfs, who will block for him, is 21 years old. His career is 21 years old. I mean, you know, so um, they only know him from television. And now they're getting a chance to play with him. So it's really cool. But what they find out is that he really does want to be a teammate and was just one of the guys. And, you know, he's also um, extremely driven. And you recognize that right away. I mean, he, he goes out there to win each, each rep. He goes out there to win each practice. He goes out there not to mess around and kibitz and all that stuff. I mean, he, he's very serious about football. He loves football. And he wants to be, he wants to be the best he can be. And the, so that requires you to do the same. And so when somebody with that resume walks in and it's not a coach, right? I mean, it's coaches go to different programs all the time. It takes them a little while, even with the success they've had. And even, even a Tom Brady with all that he's done, he still has to prove it to these guys. Well, he has, he, he proved that his arm is strong and he proved that, you know, at Berkeley prep that he can, you know, he, he can make relationships and help them um, become more precise. And, and yeah, when you watch practice, I mean, Nothing against the other quarterbacks that have played here, but let's face it: the ball, the ball frequently would not would not find the receiver. It would hit the ground, or it might find another player. Often, um, and so when you watch the precision of of the passing um, and just the pace of practice, the tempo, um, hear the comments because you can hear a lot out there now. They don't have the music on. It's not that many of us out there watching. Um, you get an, a, an immediate sense that it's something's different, and the difference is Brady. The difference is 
he's got all their attention. He's got the attention of, of, of the, of the national football league followers of the NFL network of ESPN. Um, you know, they know that there's a spotlight on this organization. You want to be the reason why Tom Brady succeeds. You want him to help you, um, get over the hump and, and have a winning season, but more than that, go to the playoffs. And so, you know, there, the buy-in was immediate. I mean, the buy-in, it started in, in April and in May and all that uh, with some of the offensive guys. But even the defensive players, when you talk to them, like we did with Jordan Whitehead and, um, and Mike Edwards and those guys, they're like, look, I mean, every rep this guy challenges you. The ball is coming out so fast. And, you know, his eyes, like if you're a safety, you know, he's holding you with his eye control and just how he, you know um, – can move you just the slightest step the wrong way. And then he throws behind you and you're done. And he says, you know, so we get that every day. And, and they're also very, you know, they're also very jacked up to try to pick him off and to try to compete against them um, because he is the goat, you know, and they had the little, the little wager with, with Edwards and Sean Murphy bunting and Jamel Dean about who would intercept him first. And, you know, so they're having fun. Um, but they're definitely, he's definitely raised, uh, the level of urgency, you know, this is the other thing too. Like we don't know what's going to happen with this COVID season. We don't know how long Tom Brady's going to be here. Um, you know, can he play two years? Maybe what if this is it? So all these guys feel that urgency and they feel his urgency. Um, and so, yeah, I, I think it is, it's to me, who's I've watched a lot of practices obviously, but this is what you see usually with championship teams. I mean, I remember going up to new England when the bucks, Went up there with Greg Schiano, uh, spent a week up there and had, you know, two or three joint practices with him. And when you watch the Patriots, it was just that. The ball didn't hit the ground much, you know, and it's not hitting the ground much now. So, yeah, it's really different. And if they can carry that into the regular season now, you know, the Saints will have something to say about it, right? The Kansas City Chiefs are going to have something to say about how they look. So they're not they're not into games yet. Um, let's Let's see what happens then. But right now, Sure is sure is a big impact. Well, Les asked, Bruce Arians is saying how great Shady McCoy looks, how great Tristan Wirf looks, Gronk, Rojo, etc. But this was the same guy who announced that the secondary was fixed before last season. Is he optimistic, delusional, or is it just coach speak? I think it's coach speak. Um, you know, I don't. I mean, not so much in preseason, but during the season. I mean, Bruce, Bruce would tell us when guys were bad. You know, he'd call out players, not everybody, but he'd call out some guys. Um, I think some of it's the optimistic nature of, of, you know, this time of year, everybody's 0-0. He's got Brady, he's got Gronk, he's got a defense that was one of the best in the league the second half of the season. He's got his front seven back that, you know, that led the NFL in run defense. Now, all those guys got to stay healthy and you got to do it again. And that's the thing. All this talk doesn't mean anything. I mean, you got to go out there and actually do it. And that's that's what the Bucks have not done in a dozen years. They've not won enough consistently enough to even make the playoffs. So, um, but you know, I think he sees what he has. I mean, they were saying the other day they were talking and they're like, you know, we get kind of an interesting mix. I mean, you've got obviously they're a much older team with Brady, Gronk, and some of the guys, Jason Pierre-Paul and Dominican Sue. But then you've got. You know, these guys that have been in the league six, seven, you know, Levante David and Mike Evans and, you know, Chris Godwin now in his fourth year. So they got guys kind of in the middle. Um, and then you've got, um, 
you know, then then you've got really young players, ascending young players, year, two years. They're really talented and played a lot of football as rookies. So, man, I think all of that is sort of an interesting mix. And, um, you know, it's just how quickly you can get get everybody on the same page, especially on offense and, um, you know, how how much these young guys can 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 improve from year one to year two in the defense. Can you keep guys healthy? So we'll see. But, yeah, it's um, – I know the fixed thing I thought was was really hyperbole, and and I think all coaches are prone to that this time of year somewhat. But um, I think what he meant by it was not that not that you know they had the best secondary in the league, but that they had the talent you know to to become that. And we saw it. We saw it a little later than they would have liked to, but we saw it at the second half of the year. So yeah, he's excited. He sees the pieces, but he also knows you know New Orleans is going to get here in a, pretty quick, and you know those guys are won the NFC South three years in a row, and they're just going to be ahead of the game because of how long the continuity they've had and how long they've been together. So um, it's still a big hurdle facing them, you know, week one. But, yeah, I, I think he is excited, and I think he has a right to be, and, and yet I think a lot of it is coach speak. All right, Michael asked, who is going to fill Carl Nassib's old role? Carl Nassib, um, really uh, energetic player, guy that brought a lot of juice, as they say. Um, pretty productive in a sack standpoint. Uh, played a lot of downs. Um, played the run well as, as well. Going to be a hard guy to replace. Went to the Raiders. Went to Johnny Gruden. So uh, the guy that's taking his spot for now is Anthony Nelson. Remember, they drafted Nelson last year out of Iowa, and he immediately got hurt, uh, you know, kind of early in camp. And battled his way out of that, played some decent football there for a while, um, but could never really get his legs under him, literally, uh, because of injuries. Um, you know, this year he's had the opportunity to, you know, he's learned the defense. Um, he's gotten a little bigger. He's added some weight. Uh, you know, good friend, teammate of Tristan Wirfs. They worked out a lot together, too, and they're helping each other. So Nelson has an opportunity to kind of step in there now and, and be that rotational defensive end because you can't play Shaq Barrett and, jpp every down so um yeah i really think that uh that that's going to be the guy you're going to see him sort of slot his way into that role in, in their rotation and you know they still have some versatility with william goldston and guys like that but they already play their roles so as far as new guys go i think it's going to be nelson kyle asked with gerald mccoy sustaining a season-ending injury while practicing with the cowboys and then being cut by the team do they owe him anything as far as medical expenses or treatment goes Seeing as he got hurt while on the roster, I think he's owed something. All right, so McCoy, it turns out, is going to be allowed to keep uh, the three million dollars signing bonus. Um, you know, he had done a three-year, I think, eighteen million dollar deal or somewhere that. Mm-hmm. And of course, the only thing that's guaranteed uh, probably was the signing bonus. But the reason why he's not getting paid his full salary is um, part of his contract had, I guess, what what they call sort of an injury waiver. Um, because he had chronic tendonitis in his right knee or quadriceps. So what happens is they, they give these guys physicals. You know, to sign a contract before your, your contract is signed, you have to pass a physical. So if they find something that's chronic or they think could go, um, then they sort of, you know, put that as a waiver as far as your money goes um, if, in fact, that becomes, you know, becomes a reason why you're not playing, and this this was the case. So they knew he had this situation uh, where the quad could could go into trouble, it did. Um, he keeps the three million dollars, 
Um, he's he's got to be uh, his rehab and his medical expenses are going to be paid by the team or by the league, whatever. Um, you know, they got to give him an opportunity to get healthy again. That'll be on the Cowboys. But once he is, he's not technically a member of their roster anymore. Although Gerald has expressed an interest in sticking around the club and helping in any way he can with some of the young players and some of the guys on the defensive line. Uh, I think they're, uh, they're pretty amenable to that. I think the Cowboys like having him around. Um, so, uh, you know, we'll see if that's, you know, if, if that's what happens. Um, but that's, you know, that's what he communicated to Mike McCarthy, um, that not only does he want to be there, but he wants to continue to be part of what they started. And then, you know, a lot of that will depend on next year. But he's technically not a member of the Cowboys anymore, <laughs> um, other than the rehab. They have to let him. He's going to be around the team anyway because he has to go in there and be checked out and, and, and finish his, his rehabilitation with them. So, um, I suspect you'll see him uh, around, but uh, yeah, this is a, it's a tough injury, especially at his age. Um, and you know, no film for a whole year. I know he'll want to play. He won't want to end his career this way, but sometimes this is how careers end. I mean, I always say this, there's two ways you you're done in the NFL. Your production is bad or your health is bad or your health is bad, which affects your lack of production. And that's usually the combination that, that gets all of all of us, right? I mean, in any business, but particularly in football. So that's kind of where Gerald is. I mean, not many guys get healthier and more productive as they age in this league. It just doesn't go that way. All right, David asks, Alex Smith's comeback just to the field is awe-inspiring. Gerald McCoy vows to recover. In your estimation, what are the best comeback from injury stories that you've covered? All right, this is a great question, um, and I can't – you know, think back on uh, all nearly three decades or so that I've that I've covered the Bucks, but I do remember a couple that I thought were interesting in terms of of what they did. Um, and this is in no particular order. Uh, you remember when the Bucks traded a first round pick to the Jets for Darrell Revis, and Revis was coming off an ACL injury. He was rehabbing an ACL in Arizona at the time that they traded for him. I mean, it was incredible. Um, they babied him in preseason. They brought him along slowly. And whether he was worthy of it or not, he had a bunch of interceptions. He made the freaking Pro Bowl that year um, on the bad ACL. But because it was a series of one-year $16 million deals, he essentially was a free agent and then signed the next year with the New England Patriots and won a Super Bowl. <laughs> so uh, that was quite a comeback for him, not so much for the Bucks. Cadillac Williams, uh, I mean, the poor guy, I mean, you know, a torn patellar tendon in one knee. Uh, it was a devastating injury. It ruptured, actually. Uh, and he made it back and was actually running pretty well. Uh, and the uh, the demise of John Gruden's Bucks began in a game against Oakland, the last game of the season. They needed to win it to get to the playoffs. Um, and Jamarcus Russell was quarterbacking, as I recall. And the Bucks were doing well. And then Cadillac Williams tore the patellar tendon in his other knee. And that stadium got so silent because you just felt for the guy because he had made it back. He was actually running the ball pretty well. Um, and then he suffered the other torn patellar, and that was pretty much it. Remember, Mike Allstott had a fused vertebrae in his neck mm-hmm. and came back and played. Now, was he the same Mike Allstott? Probably not, but he played. Mm-hmm. And and he... Um, you know, at that position with his, you know, he used to use his shoulder pads and head almost as a battering ram at times. That was incredible to me. They lost him and Jojo Rovicius on the same play in, uh, I want to say, 2003. 
thereabouts after the Super Bowl against Carolina in a 10 to 9 loss. Um, so that was big. Yeah. There's, um, there's one going on right now in Orlando, UCF. Uh, Josh Heupel spoke on Thursday about McKenzie Milton. Remember their quarterback? I can't believe he's he's trying he's, to come back. He's doing yeah. really good things in practice. Now, it's not clear he can play this year yet, but following that horrific injury at Raymond James Stadium like against Alex USF. Smith. Yeah. yeah, very similar where he mm-hmm. had the, uh, you know, the, the um, damaged uh, artery or whatnot. Yep. Um, you know, they were worried about him losing his leg. Um, didn't get as septic as Alex Smith did, but, you know, that was definitely an issue. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Let's see what else. Uh, oh, I'll give you one. <laughs> this is this was probably more more or less contrived than anything else. But uh, the Bucks remember cut John Lynch for a failed physical. They said he had stenosis in his neck. They said they had a narrowing of the uh, spinal column in his neck, and they failed him on a physical. And I'm not a doctor, although I was called Doctor Stroud by Bruce Allen once. Um, but John went out to Denver. They looked at his neck. They passed him on the physical, and he made four more Pro Bowls <laughs> and the Ring of Honor, and, and the Ring of Honor in Denver. Yeah, not bad. And if there's with any luck, he'll be in the Pro Football Hall of Fame this year. So yeah, he might have. Uh, that I guess that was an injury, but you know, he didn't think anything was wrong with him. So he managed to play and, and play at a very high level. Good All right, question, we'll, we'll switch to some raised questions. Uh, Craig in Vegas asked, with the awful play by Mike Zanino, with the same amount of hits as pass balls. With a former race catcher like Travis Darno playing well for the Braves, why did they not sign him, or why can't they even develop an average major league catcher? Well, let's put it this way: it, they're hard; they don't grow on trees. It's it's the hardest position I think to find. And even though they've been successful, like you mentioned, Travis Darno. Travis Darno was like the sixth catcher that year. He was um, a throw. They, I mean, they got him for a hundred thousand dollars cash yeah, from the Dodgers because he that yeah. was yeah. I mean, he just. Complete throw-in. Yeah, and he and got a two-year eight or $16 million contract. $16 million dollar contract. That's correct. And so once that money got there, because they they gave him the opportunity, and, and him, he made most of it, had some incredible um, clutch hits the season, um, you know, earned that chance to earn that, that, that new contract and everything. Um, the Rays just simply couldn't pay for a guy, you know, who on balance hadn't had a great career. I mean, who knew? Who knows if he does this again, right? Um, so they let him walk, and they've let a lot of catchers walk even after they rehabbed them. You know, I mean that that's occurred a couple times here. Well, Wilson Ramos, they traded halfway. Yeah, you know, they signed him right. to a two-year deal. He made a ton of money. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so I mean, it's hard to hang on to those guys because if they're good and they and they become free agents, and you only have them for a year, or you're kind of rehabbing a guy from an yep. injury or whatever, and he's really and he, and he hits it, he's going to make too much money for the Rays because of the small market team. And and we just haven't seen catching come up, you know. I mean, Michael Perez has been with them for a while. They got him from an, from Arizona, I believe, from another organization. Here's the name to remember: um, Ronaldo Hernandez. That's he's, the name. He's a young catcher in their organization. He's like their fifth best prospect. He's okay. in the top 100 prospects in baseball. Yeah, he probably would have been, I think, in Double A this year. Played mm-hmm. in Charlotte uh, in 2019. Would have been in Double A this year had they had a season, of course. Um, he's there. He's the future of them for catching. And I know he impressed in spring training. Kevin Cash and Eric Neander praised him and talked about how good he was. Um, mm-hmm. Probably a couple years away still from from hitting the big leagues, but yeah. that's the, that's the catcher of the future for the Rays, or at least they hope so. Um, right. Like I said, I think he's twenty two years old right now. He'll be twenty three this fall. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so he's a young guy, right handed catcher. He's six one, two thirty. 
Um, big guy, uh, but they really they really like him. He can hit. He's got some pop to his bat. Um, what twenty one home runs in two thousand eighteen for Bowling Green. So uh, nice. that's that's their catcher of the future. They're just trying to kind of get to him now. Yeah, I mean, it's just hard. Look, the better athletes don't don't catch. I mean, a lot of times the better athletes won't don't catch. I mean. Mm-hmm. There are guys that get moved there. Sometimes they have good arms and they're, they're converted yep. pitchers. I've seen catchers be converted to the mound. I've seen, you know, it, it's just it's one of those positions that uh, takes a toll on you physically. You get beat up. If you can hit, maybe they don't want you back there to get beat up. Maybe they don't want to move you to first. You know, um, there's all kinds of different things that happen to those guys. And um, all you have to do is put on that gear one or two times. And let me just assure you, take a few pal balls off your hands or your or your neck or in, uh-huh. in the nether regions and, and I promise you you won't want to be back there for very long. It's not <laughs> it's not for the weak of heart. I mean it, it's a really hard I tried it. My dad was a catcher in professional baseball and of course he wanted, you know, put me back there and after about a year of it I said, Nah, I, I can't. I don't want to get beat up like this and so I became a middle infielder because I was smarter than most guys. <laughs> um so it's truly it's it's just a thankless position and and yet it's one you know it's it's the most important position there is in in many ways because you got the entire game ahead of you in front of you you're the only guy that can see you know everything that's going on out there and kind of have to be the quarterback and the counselor to the pitcher and you know call a good game and frame it there's so much to it um that it's really hard to play and you focus so much on defense because you can't just put a guy back there and you know, they let them run on you mm-hmm. blind or can't stop the ball. And, you know, pitchers can't, you know, don't trust throwing the breaking ball in the dirt and getting it by, you know, it affects everything, right? That guy's got to have complete confidence in who's back there. And uh, so, so much attention is paid to the defense. That's why it's hard to find a guy that can do both. I mean, um, and then physically they break down. I mean, they just do because of, because of the injuries and the, the stress on the knees and things like that. Um so yeah, I, I I think it's I think look around baseball and and tell me where all the great catchers are, you know, mm-hmm. um, very different. But but the Rays have they have found their niche with guys that you know have trouble reaching the two hundred batting average <laughs> level. I mean, it just it is unbelievable that you know, and even if Zanino like Zanino's sitting here now with four home runs, if he'd hit you twenty twenty five and bat two hundred, you would like go crazy mm-hmm. over that like that would be like the best thing ever well that's kind of i mean you know look when he was in seattle it was you know he'll hit the long ball he's not going to hit a great average but he'll hit the long ball last year he fine. just struggled to hit anything right right and he kind of started out this year with it mm-hmm. now he's kind of gotten a little bit of groove with the long ball yep. he hit two against the yankees one against the red Sox. so this has been a really good road trip for him so maybe he's found his home run stroke and if yep. he gets going that'd be great you know but um I know when he stepped to the plate before he hit the home run against the Yankees, he's batting about 100. He's like 118 now. That's yep. atrocious. Yep. You know, but you don't stay in the big leagues long if you do that. All right, a couple more questions. Jerry asked, is this the best race squad of the Kevin Cash era, and how would you rank them against the 08 and 11 teams? The best race team in, in what era? The Kevin Cash era. In the Kevin Cash era? Um, I mean, you're I basically see. looking at the last two years in this year. Yeah, if you looked at if you looked at if you if I can include the last two years in this year, yes, uh, I think it is because um, I thought that team last year was exceptional, especially mm-hmm. the way they finished. They, you know, if not for um, a couple injuries like last now Snell, Snell, you know, towards yeah. the end of the year, I mean, who knows? And those guys, you know, came back and gave you some some brief innings in relief or whatnot or as an opener, but 
had they had they stayed healthy, I would have loved to have seen how far that team could go because they really were had that eye. They had that look about them. And, and I was at game four against the Houston Astros. I'm here to tell you they gave them everything they, they could possibly get. Um, and who knows what the Astros did to Tyler Glassdown in game five. Um, but, uh, yeah, now that's – this has definitely been his best ball club, and they made a lot of changes this year. So, you know, for them to be in first place in the American League East um, with all the all the new new faces and losing Tommy Pham and things like that, um, you know, I give him a lot of credit. You know, Charlie Morton right now. I mean, it's it's been a heck of a job. Here's one stat for you. I saw um, come out. The Rays are just the fifth team ever to sweep series of three games or more in Boston and New York in the same road trip, and the first time wow. since the 1990 A's did it. That's crazy. Think about how long that's been. That is yep. awesome. Yep. Yeah. So, All right, we'll wrap up on this one. A hockey question that Daniel sent in. Is John Cooper on the hot seat if the Bolts don't win the Cup this year? No. I don't think so. Um, you know, how long – How I'll ask you, Steve. How long before the phone rings off the hook if, if somehow the, the lightning walked away from John Cooper? Well, no. I, would he find another job? Absolutely. I think he'd be the most coveted coach yeah. in the NHL by no. far. I don't even think sure. it's close. Sure, but but um, you know, now, I mean, you know, can can he can he flame out and his team not respond? Here's the thing: they've responded, right? I mean, they mm-hmm. the moves they made in the off season have worked. They kind of knew they had to get mm-hmm. grittier. Um, they've played the right way. He's gotten them, and then look what they're doing. I mean, this was this is like unknown i mean you know you're in a bubble you're mm-hmm. you know you shut it down for a couple months i mean you crank it back up and you're still the best team or the second seed in the east whatever you want to call them i think it's been a heck of a run for john cooper and and i was one that would have said going into this year look if they flame out maybe they should look at and see mm-hmm. if, if that's the problem but when i watch them play um, he the, the guys respond and they've done it the right way and the organization knows what they got. I don't. I'd be I'd be shocked. I, at this point, I'd be really shocked if, if Cooper's going anyplace. And he just signed a new deal. We signed one at the if you remember right before the end of last regular season. So yeah. I think it was a three year deal. This was year one of it. Two years right. left. Right. I think it's hard to judge anything from the bubble and a restart and sit there and say, well, it's the coach's fault or whatever. Now, some Agreed. teams that have exited earlier have already gotten rid of some of their assistant coaches, and but they may have been looking to do that ahead of time too. I mean, most of the mm-hmm. time, that, that I'm sure those assistant coach decisions didn't come based on, you know, four games in a bubble. Uh, for Pe- Penguins made some changes and others. Mm-hmm. I don't I, – I think with this bubble, I, I think you, you almost have to throw this out as far as – although – you could sit there and, and maybe some coaches, you know, move up in your book as far as how well you think they've done with this. Um, yeah. You know, I, I think had it, had the regular season ended and you went in the playoffs and the Lightning lost in the first round or two, I think it's something to consider. Um, I think once you went to a pause for four months and restarted, I, I don't know how you sit there and go, this was coaching or this, that, and the other. I mean, you know, and, and you know, the Lightning have advanced past the first round, so you've got – past that part of that this year but i don't believe he'd be on the hot seat unless there was something that you just went man he just he got completely out coached or lost you know lost the team or games over well that's you said it right there if he lost the team if there's a mutiny on this hockey team where they're just like we're not listening to this guy anymore like Mm -hmm. we we've tuned him out we we, we're not gonna we're not gonna do what he asked us that that's that's you know you lose you lose the clubhouse yeah it's over but um at this point 
I don't think that's the case. And you know that by the way they play. Mm-hmm. Um, you mentioned, uh, you know, with the COVID and the bubble and everything, didn't stop the uh, the New Orleans Pelicans from firing Allen Gentry, though. He got whacked because um, they had big expectations even even with the uh, the pandemic. And, and like I said, probably going into that, they weren't real pleased with him anyway. Yeah, I mean, you and know, their just, situation at the end of the regular season, they probably weren't happy anyway. And Sure, you know, sure. I mean, organizations don't fire a coach because – Oh, we made the playoffs, but we lost the series. We're going to fire you. I mean, yeah, it's not one game, one series. It's a, yeah. Usually, those decisions are made over the course of months, if not years. In, in Absolutely. It says, uh, barring something drastic that you know you have to go fire someone for. You know, yeah. they, they did something that whatever. Um, you know, but but if you're doing it purely for coaching, it doesn't happen. In you know, we lost a series. Let's fire the coach. I mean, organizations don't react that way, or the good ones don't. Because um, that's just no way to run an organization. You've got to have a plan. You've mm-hmm. got to, you know, doesn't mean you're not changing the plan as you go along, but you're not you're not reacting to one particular game instance, et cetera, mm-hmm. as you as you make decisions. You have to look at the bigger picture of everything. Now, I've covered an organization that, that fired coaches often. It doesn't usually work very well. Let me assure you, <laughs> continuity matters. I'm all for continuity. So. Anyway, thanks for your questions. Those were great ones. Um, boy, what a weekend we got! Yep. Uh, the Rays continuing uh, now. They they got they still got more road trips. Or no, road, they're road home. Game. They're home. This oh, they're weekend. done. Okay, yeah. all right, great. Yeah, that was a so, three city road trip with uh, ten games. I, I forgot trip. the first. Yeah, you know what? I had completely forgotten. It started where in Atlanta? No, it was Boston, Toronto, Boston, and, and Toronto. the Yankees. Oh, and, Toronto's yep, what I forgot. And now Toronto yeah, comes to the drop this weekend. Gotcha. So, see, I'm completely clued out <laughs> as far as their schedule goes, but. Um, it was still a great road trip, and uh, and yeah, first place in the AL East. That's really something. And then, of course, uh, maybe we'll find out more over the weekend about the Lightning's opponent and come up with a schedule and kind of know uh, what they'll be doing. And then, as always, the Bucks uh, will have Saturday off. Believe it or not, they get a little off day. Mm-hmm. They can uh, relax and get out of the sun. And then we'll be back out there on Sunday. Um, and we'll find out probably more about uh, you know Bruce Arians wanting to play these uh, two sort of intra-squad scrimmages at Raymond James and treat those as if they were real games. I know I know the organization needs that to go over their protocols, um, you know, everything from press box to announcers to, you know, video to um, you name it. So they'll, they'll simulate that as well in the stadium. Um, so, yeah, we'll have a lot more information about that. As always, we uh, appreciate you guys' questions, and uh, we're here every Monday through Friday. Thanks for joining us. We'll talk to you on Monday. For Steve Burstick, I'm Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times. Have a great weekend, everybody.